Hello and welcome into the Feels Like 45 podcast. I am Cade Webb and as always I'm joined by Dustin Ragusa. Dustin, what's up man? Not much. Uh, we missed you last week. How was the how was the trip? Well, trip. it was wonderful. It's great to be back in the saddle. I had a couple <laughs> of things to uh, to say. One, a huge shout out to Marshall from Pistols Firing for coming in and and filling the seat. Um, we keep our perfect attendance record, so that's great. You guys had a, a podcast to listen to, so a huge thank you to Marshall. He he did a phenomenal job. I've said it before, listening to your own podcast on an airplane is a little strange, but uh, yeah, again, very, very thankful to him. But no, the trip was great. I got to say, Dustin, I, I highly recommend having an office in Traverse City, Michigan and, and being able to visit in June, because I don't know if you've ever been to northern Michigan in the summer, but uh, it's it's really nice. It's really, really nice. Yeah, I have, I've never been to Michigan. I've been up in the Wisconsin area a few times, but never to never to Michigan. I, I loved it. I, I was taken aback by the sheer size of these lakes and uh, got to spend a little time on the water. And I don't know when else I would have been on the water in Lake Michigan. So it was, it was great. So thank you for asking. Got to eat a lot of good food and see the sights and uh, exhausted by the time I got home. And, uh, but yeah, I like again, the shirt you're wearing right now as well. I know the listeners thanks, can't man. see, but yeah, no, no free ads. I won't tell you where I got it, but uh, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's a little festive, right? I, I, yeah, I like it. I, I'm colorblind, so I don't know what color it is, but it, it definitely looks cool. <laughs> well, but, uh, believe it or not, it's all it's like miniature oranges. It's that's oh, what it is. So okay. Yeah. Well, I also never question where my loyalties lie, even when I'm wearing <laughs> non-Oklahoma State stuff. It's still orange related. So yeah, and I also I wanted to go back and thank Marshall again. I thanked him many times on the podcast, probably to the point where he was annoyed. But uh, thank him for doing that. It was it was difficult though to act like I like Marshall for that long of a period of time. I was wondering how you handled that. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm just kidding, Marshall. You did a really nice job of that. But no, it was oh, a great you. show, and uh, you guys just kept it going. It kind of made me feel insecure about my own abilities. To be <laughs> honest with them, like I don't bring anything to this show. <laughs> no, no, no. You're the you're the rock of this show. If if, if I was leading every show, it'd just be pure chaos. Well, you're you're the Chris then. I, if if I'm the rock, you're the Chris to my rock. How about that? I don't know if that means anything <laughs> to it. you. But well, let's I mean, Dustin, let's just get right into it. This I'm really glad I'm back this week because there's a lot to get to. And you know, I, I think there's a little bit of an elephant in the room that we need to discuss. Like if you've listened to this podcast since what September of last year, Dustin, I mean you you probably know us well enough by now to know we don't delve much into the the hot discussion of the day. We don't we don't delve much into the hot takes, the the stuff you hear on first take, any of that stuff. We keep it pretty uh, detailed into Oklahoma State, and uh, I think today, you know, a lot of people. I mean, and as evidenced by our listener questions, there is a lot of demand for us to talk about this particular topic, and that is conference realignment. And we normally don't delve into this. And I will say, like, if you're here for a a full fledged discussion about this. You're probably not at the right place, uh, and we, we'd love to keep you around. I think if you stayed, 
<laughs> you'd hear a great discussion about Oklahoma State sports and getting down into the roster. We will also talk about it. We've got several listener questions that we're actually going to open up with. But I just, Dustin, I just wanted to preface this episode with that because I think today was maybe the biggest news story since OU and Texas left the Big 12 last year in college football. I think it was another domino to drop in conference realignment, but I just want to, you know, kind of set the expectation with our listeners of, of what you can just a reminder of what we do at the feels like 45 podcast. Yeah. And not to, not to, and Kate, you said that perfectly, not to go on and on and make excuses of, you know, why we're not talking about it for longer. It's, it's really just cause and Kate, I don't want to speak out of turn here, but we're just both kind of dumb <laughs> and this isn't really our, our forte, if you will, you know, we're doing, game previews, game recaps, recruiting, things that are more definitive. And I just don't think our brains are big enough to handle a topic like this for a long period of discussion. Am I wrong there? No, you, you are not, sir. You nailed it. I, uh, frankly, I, I don't love talking about outcomes of hypothetical situations. I believe it or not. I don't love doing that when it's not related to X's and O's like you and I can talk (laughs) hypotheticals in the wide receiver room all day, which we do, but hypotheticals of, of where Oklahoma state might land up. If there's two super conferences, I just, the conversation just kind of, uh, right now the way it exists today is not one that i feel all that well equipped to handle however we have listener questions and i do have some thoughts um i know as i know you do too i was gonna say too Cade, will you just kind of give a brief overview of what happened today and i'll pull up these listener questions yeah great point we're talking about it as as though everybody knows it it's uh (laughs) it's like a national tragedy but what i will say like i mean Looking at it, you know, obviously the big news of the day, USC and UCLA, it sounds like it's a done deal that they're headed to the Big Ten. Sounds like it was at least eight months in the making, and it may have slipped a little earlier than intended, but uh, they kept it under wraps for as long as they really needed to, because tonight it sounds like the Big Ten commissioners are going to, or the Big Ten athletic directors and commissioners are going to vote to formally accept uh, USC and UCLA, at least that was a, a little while ago, according to Nicole Auerbach. So, I mean, it sounds like this is done. And it's, as I mentioned, it's the second domino to drop in conference realignment. And, you know, to me, puts us on the on the fast path to, to two really big conferences. But Dustin, I mean, if you've got the questions, let's go ahead and hear them. And we yeah, are doing this. We're obviously doing this out of the ordinary. We're going to address the elephant in the room. We normally do listener questions at the end of the show. So we're yeah. bringing them up front for you. And we'll finish with some listener questions not related to this, but I did love the quote. I think it was from a Pac-12 anonymous rep saying that they got soonered and horned. Did you see that? No, <laughs> I don't know if I like the vernacular. I, I just thought it was a hilarious thing. I don't to know say. about horned. <laughs> but okay, so first up, we have uh, my buddy Randall, Randall Dryden. He's at Randy D. That's me. Randall asked two questions, so we'll get to his other one later because it's about it's just specifically about football recruiting. But he says, where does OSU go if the Big Ten is out of the picture? Looking more into it, they weren't even on the radar. Kate, what are your thoughts there? Because I think you and I both think that the Big Ten is still on the table. So I, yeah. I, I get what Randall's saying, but I, I think that I don't know if they're really out of the picture. I, I completely agree. I, I think this is this is just getting started, I feel like. I think – I think we may be headed to two conferences with 
24 plus teams in them and you split them up by divisions and those two meet. I, I don't know, but what I will say is I don't think Oklahoma state's going to get left out in the cold. Um, and I also don't think that the big 10 is a dead dream. I think that's, that's where I want Oklahoma state to end up. I think that's where Oklahoma state wants to end up. So the big 10 Really, this, this had to happen, quite frankly, for Oklahoma State to get into the Big Ten. The reason I think that is because the Big Ten and the SEC now are in an arms race. They were not earlier. Now they are. And I believe that as the Pac-12 and the Big, Ten, Big 12 weaken, I think that opens the door for Big Ten and the SEC to get more aggressive and take teams like a Clemson, Florida State, Miami, and Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Baylor, so on and so forth. Yeah, I, I agree. And we saw some other tweets come out with some list of schools the Big Ten is probably looking at, and OSU wasn't on a lot of those lists. Can't trust but them. I don't think anybody really knows anything. I don't. I, I, totally I, I think agree. it's all guesses, all hearsay. You know, from, from what we heard, UCLA and USC went to the Big Ten and basically just asked them if they could get in, and they were like, sure. Cool. Yeah, you can come. Come on. <laughs> Didn't think you'd ask. So it's it's just it just seems like it's all up in the air. I, I'm not I'm not really sure what's going to happen. But but to just answer the question, Randall, I don't think it's I don't think they're completely out of the picture. Big Ten wise. Do I think it's likely? I don't know. I, I'm not going to I'm not going to go full Courtney Ramey here and, and put my stamp on it just to be wrong again. But uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, have we no have a idea. track record here, Dustin. Maybe we shouldn't talk about it. Yeah. But Randall, thanks for the question. We'll hit your other one later, which I love your other question as well. Uh, our guy, Brian Metcalf, he has another question as well later. It's football related, but he has one here. It's just kind of a quick one. He says, and he's at Brian J. Metcalf. He says, the Alliance in quotes, health ah. check. Oh, I think it's, I think it's I dead. Think it's dead now. And if you we don't need know, proof of life, talk, <laughs> yeah, he's talking about the, the Alliance between the big 10 the Pac-12 and the ACC about kind of playing each other, sharing. Was there any more to it than that? Basically, they were just going to. I don't remember there being any like real details behind play it. each other. They were... And they it was named the Alliance, which is kind of a sick name, but also kind of stupid. So um, I think the health <laughs> check there is zero percent. Yeah, they're at the uh, they're dead. So they're flatline. I have a confession to make, Dustin. I was uh, putting together some reporting for uh, today. And I, I the first time I came up for air was about three o'clock. And I had a text from you that said, I can't remember what it was about, but it was like, is this about the USC UCLA thing? I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about and got on Twitter and saw that this had happened. And so now thinking back about the Alliance, it's like, I think the Alliance was like the Big Ten just... Was it a Trojan horse? Like, was it was it a, a decoy? I don't know. Hey, this is this goes back to what I literally just said. I don't think anybody knows. I anything. don't know. I don't know. Which no. is why it's hard to talk about. Which yeah. we'll stop saying. But yeah, we, we, maybe. Um, uh, yeah. So the next one we have uh, Corbett Klein, our guy at Corbett Klein. He sends us some good questions all the time. So he says, "Who are the?" schools that you would like to see in the big the big 12 try to poach from the pac 12 would new member byu be upset if one of them is utah the second part of that question i don't think so i think that i think that byu would be happy to play utah the big 12 which I think, would be the beneficiary of that benefactor yeah, i should say 
I think, I don't think that would be a huge issue there. Um, just kind of from what I know about that rivalry, but I don't know from, from the big, the, from the PAC 12 Cade, the Arizona schools, um, Oregon, obviously yeah. Utah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. It seems like the names getting thrown around are the Arizona's Colorado and Utah. Yeah. Uh, Colorado I don't, as well. I don't know. Oregon if, would be the, the golden goose. I would think. Right. I agree with you. I think Oregon and Washington over Washington, Colorado and Utah. Cause I've seen them link to the big 10 now though, but again, nobody I, knows. I think Oregon and Utah are friends, or I'm sorry, Oregon and Washington are friends. Um, I think that they would go together. I think they're really, I, I think of them the way I think of like Oklahoma state and Baylor in a new big 12. Like I think where one goes, the other's going to go. Um, and so that, that puts us way down the hypothetical discussion, but like, if it were me, I would prefer the Arizonas and Oregon and Washington. I don't know if Colorado and Utah move the needle. I will say the Holy war entering into the big 12 would quick would it, it would become the best rivalry in the conference that like that day right it would for sure be up there i agree I, like I mean, because there's no ou texas i mean that like i think it has to be yeah and the thing with oregon i guess maybe there's a package deal there with oregon state i, I if they were to come to the big 12 i know if they were to go to the big 10 that probably wouldn't be the case but if they're going to come to the big 12, you know, you maybe give them a big, a big share of the revenue. And you say, if you guys want Oregon state to come, they can come. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, you don't really want Oregon state, but. I think a new big ball. 12, <laughs> I think a new big 12, if it's going to work, it needs another heavyweight. I, I mean, I, you really want to flood the conference with everybody that everybody didn't want. You know, like, I yeah. mean, and I don't think that's going to happen. I do think that these teams are going to splinter off. Like, yeah, there's a big 12 right now. I think these teams are going to the big 10 SEC or a new ACC. If there's two big conferences or three, I think all these teams are going to be part of that at some point. So it may be weak for a while, but I, I think a new big 12 needs an Oregon and doesn't need, like if they can't get an Oregon, I don't know if you need the other four. So. Yeah. Maybe do yeah. the Pac-12 and Big 12 now they just get together? I don't know. Maybe just Oregon and Oklahoma State, they just make their own conference and they just play each other I would multiple that. times. I would love sport. that. That wouldn't get exhausting at all. <laughs> it would be cool. Oregon has the, you know, the big time Nike, um, you know, sponsorship and everything there. So that, that would be cool to bring them in. That's why you know. I think they'll be, they'll, they'll end up in the Big 10. I really do think that the next shoe to fall is either that Clemson, Florida state, Miami, or it's Oregon, Washington to the big 10. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Okay. So we've got Jake Woods. He's at Jakers underscore W. He says of the schools, which have moved conferences since 2010. So starting with Nebraska, how many would you say have experienced the net positive gain overall? And he says, do any school specifically? That's a, I'm assuming he's asking like wins and losses, right? Like athletic success on the field. Cause I mean, Texas A&M, uh, I mean, they, they would jump off the page at me. Yeah. A&M, I, I mean, you had Nebraska move, Colorado. I'm not, I'm sure obviously like revenue wise, any team that moved into the SEC, 
I, it's, it's, I think it's hands <laughs> down. So. I think it's hands down Texas A&M. I, Nebraska has not done much. Um, yeah, nope. That's really an easy one for me. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to think if there's anybody we're not we're thinking of. Off. I, West Virginia move, TCU, Baylor. Yeah, I mean TCU. TCU would be one. Um, that that would be a candidate, but that's going way back. I mean, Texas A and M just like redid their entire stadium. They've got they seat like one hundred and forty thousand or whatever the number is now. Like I think. I think athletic department wise, I think they're the one. Aren't they like the top grossing athletic department in the country right now? I, I see. This is this is why we don't talk about stuff like this, right? Like, yeah. Are they? And then it's I'll just see it. yeah. I would need to probably. I would need to Google that one. Uh. Wow. This just, is this is really I, good. Yeah, I'm just trying to think if there's anybody. Anybody else we're leaving off? Uh, actually, NCAA revenues. Wow, this is crazy. I did not know this. The USA Today, at least according to this. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Let's go to let's go to 24/7 here. Um, the number one athletic department, Dustin. Give me your final guess. We should know this. Ohio State. It's Texas. Texas. And then number two is Texas A&M. So I'm going to go with Texas A&M. I said Baylor earlier. Sorry, I meant TCU in West Virginia. <laughs> Let it go. Let it go. I, I can feel it on you. Let it go. I was trying to see if – I was just trying to think if there's anybody else. But, yeah, I think, I think Texas A&M is a good call. Okay. I, I agree. I agree with my good call. What else we got? And then we have we have one in the DMs from our guy Greg at Greg Hockert. Uh, he just brought up in general, you know, talking about talking about all of this. But he just he said he wants everyone to remember when the Pac-12 came out last summer and said they would wouldn't be adding any more members when the Big 12 was in shambles. <laughs> that arrogance led them to losing two of its top revenue generating programs. Yeah. And so he, he just wanted to call that out. He also asked us, this was before the news broke. This was earlier in the week when we were going to record on Tuesday. He said, any thoughts on the ACC's new three, three, five scheduling model. If the new big 12 did something similar after OU and Texas leave, who do you think Oklahoma state's three annual opponents would be? I was thinking about that question, talking about it with some buddies that that's tough to pick Oklahoma state's three opponents. It's. It seems like it would almost be pretty random. I would. I mean, who would you put? So. In a three, and for those, yeah, for those that was, don't yeah. know that they're playing the, th- basically what the ACC is doing is they're going to play at least three of the same schools every year. So like one team, your Duke will play the three same schools every year, and then they're going to kind of switch up with the with the rest of it. So is it three non-conference games, three standard every year you're playing it, and then five that rotate? Yeah, and I, I can't remember exactly the, the home and away, how that works out. But, yeah, so it's three three would be the same in conference every year. So, and you're taking OU and Texas out in his question. So, yeah. I, I was thinking, you know, like, I think Texas Tech might be included. You could do TCU for how close they are. But then you've got Kansas State, who's, you know, kind of a 
similar program to OSU, not far either. You got KU is not that far away. I, I don't know if they base it just on location. Houston coming in, you know, I, I don't know if you want to play the Texas schools to kind of help out with the Texas recruiting. I, Give me I, Baylor, TCU, Texas Tech. Okay. I, obviously, I think that's going to be the cream of the crop in this new Big 12, so I doubt that that's the case. Um, yeah. There's there's some uh, history with Iowa State. It wouldn't surprise me to see them as a um, recurring guest. Um, I mean, Texas Tech seems like the clear front runner, right? I think they are Oklahoma State's closest thing to a true rival in the new Big 12. Um, I, I mean, I could see a Texas Tech and Iowa State and a like a Kansas State as your three staples, but I shoot, I don't, I don't know. This is the hard thing. It's like I have no idea, and this is a hypothetical outcome of a hypothetical scheduling model. Like I don't know, and I'm sorry. <laughs> this one's tough though, because everybody I was talking about it with that everyone was kind of waffling back and forth. They'd say something and be like, "Well, maybe this." So yeah, uh, and we talked about it with our GPS buddies too, and they. They had some good, they had some good responses. They also, you know, had some uh, kind of, you know, uncertainty. They, like I said, say an answer and then kind of changed around. So it was, it was an interesting discussion. I really like that question a lot, but yeah, I think, I think I like the Texas tech. I'm going to go Houston, Texas tech and Baylor. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. I could see that in Texas. Yeah. Uh, Dustin, some, some breaking news. What we just talked about is, as, a possible done deal is a done deal. The Big Ten has formally accepted USC and UCLA. So it is done. They are going well, that's to more Big definitive. Ten in 2024. It is done. <laughs> so, yeah, as we talk about it in, in truthful terms, it is it is done. So um, wild day in college sports. We don't have any other questions, right, Dustin? No, nothing else on that. Okay, well, next on the agenda item, Dustin, Kevin Durant requesting a trade. for. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Dustin, before, before we get into the real meat of the podcast, I do want to take a break and hear a quick word from one of our sponsors. All right, guys, listen up. Sponsor on the podcast, Homefield Apparel, is absolutely crushing it. If you haven't checked them out yet, you absolutely need to. I mean, they are leading the charge in premium vintage collegiate apparel right now. Uh, I mean, they are offering vintage college sports t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies with over a hundred schools available. And I mean, they're adding new ones all the time. This is the perfect gift. Uh, Home field apparel for the sports fan, for the college sports fan. You got to go check them out and use our promo code feels 12 to get 15% off your first order. And of course, all orders over a hundred dollars get free shipping as always promo code. Feels 12, 15% off your first order, and all orders over $100 get free shipping at Homefield Apparel. Visit them at homefieldapparel.com. All right, Dustin, I mean, we are in the dog days of summer, my friend. Usually it's talk like that that gets us through the offseason, but there's a lot to get to. I mean, you and I haven't talked in two weeks, so let's just kind of run down the latest updates, uh, Oklahoma State summer football uh, updates that we have here. Yeah. And actually Robert Allen from Pokes report, you know, he's really close to the football program. He put out just kind of some quick hitters from the summer. I just kind of wanted to run through a few of these things. We also 
heard a couple of things. I mentioned one of them last week on the podcast with Marshall that I believe is pretty close to fully confirmed now as close as close as yeah. I can get without it being written in an article. So we'll just kind of walk through some of that. But basically, Oklahoma State was the final week of the first summer school session. So they were practicing work or, you know, their metabolic workouts and everything like that. So they're going to take a break for July 4th and then they'll be back but they've been practicing in Boone Pickens stadium because the Sherman Smith training center has been going through some changes, some improvements there. So when they come back, they'll be back in the Sherman Smith because that's when they're going to be adding the turf into Boone Pickens stadium and the new playing service and everything like that. So that'll be cool to kind of see how that looks when everything's finished, but we get a lot of questions like this Cade. So I just over, over the past couple of weeks, I wanted to confirm some of them. All of the freshmen are on campus. Uh, I, from what Robert Allen is saying, Braylon Presley, defensive back Cameron Epps, and then offensive lineman Austin Kowecki and Davis Dotson have all looked really good. Dotson apparently is everything a six six, wow. three hundred pounds, and just has been that's a pretty a, dominant force in the work. That's a name that we have not thrown around much on this podcast. Yeah, we talked about Kowecki a lot, but Dotson has been a guy. He wasn't super highly recruited one of the kind of lower rated guys of the high school guys in the class you know we talked about we've talked about a Gabe Brown being or you've talked about a Gabe Brown being a lower ranked guy that could pop Dotson was actually ranked lower than him on 247 so it'll be interesting to see what he does it he does it's kind of in like you said it's kind of a cool name to see on this list out of all the guys that have come in mentioned along with guys like Presley Epps and Kowecki who we have talked about so right yeah no I, I totally agree with you that's a that's good to see though that there's there's a young guy that we aren't quite talking about crushing it in the weight room this this is totally typical though for a Mike Gundy coach football team like this oh yeah this happens every year you've got somebody that uh, pops early in summer or even sometimes in the spring that maybe you weren't thinking about. So Kowecki, good to hear him on that list too. You, you love to see that. Yeah. And all of the offensive linemen, aside from our guy, Cole Birmingham are now healthy. So you got your, you got Hunter Woodard, you got your Joe Maholsky, you got your Preston Wilson. They're all back. Like I mentioned, Dotson and Kowecki are there. You got Brooks, uh, Queso Brooks and Casey Collier. So everybody's there working out. Springfield, Materico, Russ, Tyrone Weber, all these guys are working out. Caleb Etienne just trying to get in full, ready shape for fall camp, ready to go. The news I was mentioning earlier is it does sound like Silas Barr has retired. RA oh, wow. mentioned him in his article, but I think that may have been an oversight. I think he may have just been typing from, you know, like the guys, because he was one of the guys that was injured, but it sounds like Silas Barr has retired from football if something changes on that I will definitely let you know I hope that I'm wrong there I really liked him kind of you know he played some cowboy back back to offensive line when I went to the spring practice he was one of the freshmen that really impressed me when I was there so tough news to hear from him but there's as Gundy keeps mentioning there are a ton of offensive linemen there's not a ton of experience but there are a ton of guys on the roster now Dustin, I mean, you just broke that news to me. That's been, that's, that's not <laughs> great news, but nice job on that. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that's a hit to the depth of course. And in an area that uh, a position of need still. So. Yeah. He was a guy you thought could maybe compete at a guard spot um, for, on the second team, maybe, you know, work his way into getting some reps if somebody was to get injured. So 
wish Silas all the best. I, I hope, I hope that's wrong, but I've had multiple people tell me that now. So I'm just going to go with the fact that it's, it sounds like it's probably, probably a done deal now. And also Robert Allen wrote in another article recently that Cole Birmingham will miss the year. So that's the first time I've actually seen that written by someone in the media that he's out for the year. You've seen spring injury speculations about how serious it is. Robert Allen said he's missing the entire season. Well, it's, it's not outside of what we had kind of discussed along, along the lines of a potentially very serious knee injury. So, yeah. Uh, Ollie Gordon, fully back from the shoulder injury. He's full speed. Uh, Dominic Richardson, Jaden Nixon have apparently looked good as well. The receivers, Robert Allen calls out Langston Anderson, our guy. How about it? We'll see if he can if he can stay healthy. I think this is a guy who could come in and be really, really good. Like to where you know people that haven't really kept up with Oklahoma State football, the more casual fans are like, "Where did this guy come from? That's been on the roster for several years. Yeah. Where, like where where was he from?" People so we'll uh, do that too because yeah. we, but we have heard this every year, and then something crazy happens. Yeah, hundred percent. Talon Shetron gotten a few questions about that. He has been not full speed, but it sounds like after this July 4th break, he will be ready to go hundred percent from that ankle injury. No issues have come up from it. He should be ready to go. And along with him, all of the defensive line guys are back full participants, trace Ford, Brock Martin, Brennan Evers. They're all, they're all good to go. And they have been throughout this first session. So it sounds like everybody's kind of in tip top shape right now. Yeah, that's, that's really good to know. I mean, you know, my guy, Brennan Evers too, uh, a key piece on that defensive line, but um, it's good to know that they're getting healthy and, and ready to go for sure. It sounds like Nathan Latou, another B- yeah. Tonga guy has been dominating the Whoa. workouts. That's a stacked position at those kind of that Leo, the defensive end spot, even, even interior defensive line with a C and Tua but Latou is going to, they're going to have to find a way to play him somewhere. It sounds like, cause he is just That's awesome. a monster in the spring and then a freak in these summer workouts. It's a great problem to have. Did we ever get any word on what Taylor Chetron's actual injury was? Or we just know it was something nagging lower something body. With the yeah. ankle. Yeah. Uh, he was in that boot for a while on his little scooter. Uh, I never got hundred percent confirmation. I'm assuming it was some type of sprain for him to be out for that long, but maybe a high ankle sprain or something like that. Um, oh, the rest of the defense sounds like Benson Cobb and Lamont Bishop are kind of your three guys that have take, they've kind of lifted off from the rest of the pack. Those are your three that I think you'll see a lot along with the guys we've talked about, Nick Martin, Donovan Stevens, Jeff Robertson, guys of that nature. But I think Benson Cobb and Bishop are going to be your healthy servings of linebacker this season. Benson and Cobb, not surprising. And, and Bishop really not either. I mean, he, he popped, he got some reps last year. He, he, he really stood out at times as a young guy that would, that could come in. He wears that number 11 looks exactly like Amen Ogbong Bamiga out there. So I, I like him a lot. I think he's going to be really nice for this team. Yeah. And then nothing, nothing crazy injuries or anything like that coming from the secondary Muhammad black Taylor uh, Daniels, Harper, Williams, Sean, Michael Flanagan, everybody's good to go and ready for that second half of summer workouts coming up after July 4th. Yeah, no doubt about it. It'll be interesting. I mean, we're getting to the point of the year where uh, I mean, we're it's, it's almost like 
full steam ahead into football. Like we are almost rounding the corner. Once it's, once it's past July 4th, it's going to feel like it gets here in a hurry. Oh yeah. hundred percent. So Kay, did you want to, I know we have a lot on the agenda, but should we run through what we wanted to do this week is run through the, our depth chart on the Oklahoma state offense, our way too early depth chart, which we've been trying to do pretty <laughs> consistently throughout the off season. And then next week we'll try to hit the defense. So are we still good there? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Okay. So I can put this out as well on Twitter. I probably should have done it before the podcast. My apologies on that, but we'll run through the first team right now. So what Kate and I have at this moment is left tackle, Caleb Etienne, left guard, Jason Brooks, center, Preston Wilson, right guard, Hunter Woodard, right tackle, Jake Springfield. We listed four receivers, even though I know that's going to get us to 12 players. We've got Jaden Bray, Brennan Presley, John Paul Richardson, Braden Johnson. And then at Cowboy back, Braden Cassidy. Running back one is Dominic Richardson, and QB one is Spencer Sanders. Cade. I like it. Anything pop to you there? I know we I know we've talked about this, but we don't all we don't put it together at the same time together. Yeah. We can, it's kind of just emails back and forth. Anything you want to change there? Anything you what what's your main position you see? Is it I, I think it's right tackle, but what's your main position of concern there or <laughs> a spot you see somebody else maybe filling in? You nailed, I mean, you nailed it right tackle. And it's, it's also a position and a guy we just talked about Langston Anderson. I mean, if he's, if he's what we've heard, he could be, he could be somebody that cracks the two deep and maybe starts, but he's going to have to stay healthy. Going to have to prove that. I mean, Jaden Bray sounds like by all accounts, we've spoken about it on this podcast is showing what we thought he would show. So uh, I'm sorry, Langston Anderson would be one that I think could be somebody that cracks that too deep that, and, and really is, is cracking that, that top spot that we're talking about right now, but you nailed it. It's right tackle. It's right. So is Langston Anderson, that was going to be the second question I was going to ask is Langston Anderson, your guy who you could see running with the ones at the end of the season. So say, you know, no injuries or anything like that, but a guy that just kind of emerges from the two or three deep up with the ones you're going to go Langston Anderson there. I think he's going to be a guy who's supposed to be where he, or where he is, where he's supposed to be. He's been in the system for almost four years now. I would expect that when he takes the field, He's going to be good just based on the amount of time he's spent on the system. And he was a four-star recruit. Like, let's not forget that this kid, like, was highly touted out of school. He just hadn't been able to stay healthy. And I think you nailed it earlier. He's kind of um, he's kind of been lurking in the shadows because he's been injured. Um, and he's a guy, he might be the guy that I think pops into this too deep and, and is the surprise if he can stay healthy. So I've, I've got a few guys I wanted to call out and one of them, I want to piggyback off your Langston Anderson right there. So say, I know I said no in, injuries, but say Langston Anderson just isn't, isn't yeah. able to get to that point. We sure. think he is. You and I both think he is. Let's just say he's not because I wanted to say Bryson green. Yeah. Nobody talks about this guy. I thought he played really well last season. And I think he's a guy who could maybe take over that Braden Johnson role, which I think is Ooh. where you were maybe thinking Langston That's, that is Anderson what was going to be thinking. as well. So maybe knocks Braden Johnson back with the twos, which I still think Braden Johnson would be in the rotation, but maybe a guy like Bryson Green could do what you were just saying Langston Anderson might do. I, I still think it's Anderson over yeah. Bryson Green, but he's another guy I wanted to call out along with him. 
the obvious spot. You mentioned it as well. Casey Collier stepping up for Jake Springfield at right tackle. I've been switching those two in and out or you and I have been (laughs) with the ones. So it's that it's just impossible to know with a guy that wasn't here in the spring, hasn't played at all at the college level really, but was a highly touted recruit, a guy from big time school like USC, a, a, a now big 10 program USC. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. A couple of other guys, Tyrone Weber. Yeah. I've heard a lot about this guy coming from Juco. He was the MVP of his conference as an offensive lineman in Juco. We, we heard he may not work out at tackle, but is this a guy who could come in and beat out Jason Brooks at the left guard spot by season's end? Ooh, I just based off the general tone, I don't know. Um, but he is an intriguing prospect and he comes in with some experience. Like I think if he can get his body ready, which it sounds like was one of the main concerns. Yes, I could see that, but um, it sounded like, and and things obviously may have changed. I mean, body by glass is real dude. So things could have changed, but it didn't sound like he was close to being ready. Kind of like a Caleb Etienne, almost like Mm -hmm. the opposite situation. Needs, needs more weight. So, yeah. And the last guy I wanted to call out before we hit the second team is my second team running back, our second team running back, Jaden Nixon. Shout out to our yep. guy, Michael yep. P. I, I think he's a guy who could maybe become the, and no shot at Dom. I think Dom's still in the mix. I think it's good. I just think it ends up being maybe closer to 50 50 by season's end because Nixon is a human highlight reel. He is, and he's a little bit more of the lightning than he is the thunder. Um, and I think Oklahoma State, when they're at their best, they have a running back that's a little more lightning and a little bit more downhill, um, one-cut type running back. And so I think Jaden Nixon could be that, perhaps more than Dom Richardson. I, I, I've liked what I've seen from Dom Richardson so far early in his career, but there's been enough ball security issues. Is he elusive enough? Is he durable enough? Those are questions I have about him handling the complete load, but I do think they have a really nice one-two punch. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. Um, and I mean, shoot, the 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 elephant in that room is Ollie Gordon. I mean, what what happens with him? Hundred percent. So let's run through the second team and just caveat before we talk <laughs> about the second team offensive line. The second team offensive line is basically a guess because a lot of these guys were injured. I mean, I'm totally making excuses because I don't want to be wrong later, but Kate <laughs> and I did our best here. So we've got left tackle Logan Nobles. You know, he played some guard and tackle in the spring and ran with the ones a lot due to the injury. So left tackles Logan Nobles. Left guard is Taylor Matirko, who we've seen play tackle as well. Center, Joe Maholsky, who took over for Preston Wilson. Uh, I mean, for um, Danny Godlevsky after his injury last season. Right guard, got Tyrone Weber, who we just talked about. And then at right tackle, we have Casey Collier with some other guys in the mix. Just wanted to shout them out before we get into the discussion. Eli Russ, could see him at center or guard. Jake Henry, who's probably more of a center, but probably could see him at guard as well. And then the two freshmen we talked about, Austin Kowecki and Davis Dotson. Cade, I mean, it's almost it's- not ask what, what are your concerns here, but what are the positives here? <laughs> Joe Maholsky at center. I like that. I like yeah. Eli Russ and Jake Henry too. I think center is a good position with a lot of depth. So I think, I, I'm not, I'm not super concerned about center. I think that's where I was headed. I think they have a couple of really solid players 
in Eli Russ and, and uh, Joe Mahalski. And I think we've seen that, at least in Mahalski's case, he's come in and played and uh, was, I mean, was the center in the game where they beat Oklahoma. So uh, that'll work. And so, um, and we know, we know what happened against Baylor, but I mean, come on, Ika, come on. Come on. I mean, who's right. blocking? Come it? on. Right. And I, I don't know. I don't know if anybody was that day. So um, I like the city. got Lesky's blocking him. Yeah. I mean, we think he could. Yeah. I mean, maybe we hope, but we don't really know that. Um, but yeah, I think center's great, but everything else is a little bit of a, a hodgepodge and uh, not, not all that deep. I like Weber. I do, I do too. Like it just depends on where they put him. Yeah. I think I could see him playing that guard spot. I, I just think he's more of a rotation piece there. From what I've heard about Kowecki and, you know, this Davis Dodson stuff, so a little bit newer to me. I, I liked what I saw in his high school film, but, you know, some of the stuff R.A. was saying was a little new to me. Kowecki, though, sounds like a guy that Dickey really likes. He's a big body. I would never say I see him being with the ones at season's end, but if there's some injuries, some things go wrong – Maybe he gets some reps. And I think in the games against like Arkansas Pine Bluff, we maybe see an Austin Kowecki. I, I know you want to keep his red shirt, but I, I think he's a guy you could see in there. Outside of that, you know, Materko, I think is a very capable number two offensive lineman. Noble seemed to have done really well in the spring. And then hopefully I, I would love to see Casey Collier take that starting spot and have Jake Springfield That'd be sweet. as your two, because that's a very, if Collier is good enough to, take over for Springfield Springfield is a very good number two yeah that would that would alleviate some of the concerns I have about depth I think they their five best surefire things obviously are on their front it's in they're in the ones and they don't have a ton behind them that's proven so right if you if you were to get Collier to the point where he could play that well that early then your depth situation totally changes in a couple of key positions if not you have an unproven in Casey Collier in the twos along with an unproven in Tyrone Weber. Like you see my concern with some of the depth pieces there. Yeah. So let's move to the skill positions at receiver Langston Anderson. I've actually got Braylon Presley in with the twos. Oh, nice. The main reason there is because I have him behind Brennan at that inside receiver spot. I really think Braden Johnson, if there was something like, I think you would move a Bryson Green or a Langston Anderson up into Braden Johnson's outside receiver spot and move Braden Johnson back into an inside receiver spot if something were to happen to Presley or John Paul Richardson. But I didn't want to list the same guy twice. So I've got Braylon Presley there, Rashad Owens, Bryson Green at Cowboy back, Blaine Green, running back two, we mentioned Jaden Nixon, and then QB two, we've got Gunnar Gundy. Some other guys in the mix before we get into the discussion at receiver, obviously Talon Shetron, Kale Cabanis, CJ Tate, the all-star, the MVP of the spring game. Other Cowboy backs in the mix, Quentin Stewart, Tabry Shetron, Talon's brother. And other running backs in the mix, the guy you mentioned, the guy everybody mentions, Ollie Gordon, and then DeAndre Jackson, the Texas A&M transfer. Totally going to call him Dez. DJ Brown as well. Yeah, totally going to call him Desmond Jackson. I think he's even wearing 27 this year. It's totally going to happen. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I, I actually love the call on if there's an injury with one of the Presleys, uh, Brennan specifically. I love the call of Braden Johnson slotting in. I, and he that right there is the reason I have Langston Anderson 
as possibly one that could sneak in, not because of an injury, but because Braden Johnson felt really natural on the inside. He runs those dig routes I like him so, so much better well. inside. I do too. He's just, he's, I don't know what it is. I don't know if he has the size or vertical ability on the outside to be a game breaker, but he has the speed on the inside and elusiveness um, and the ability to catch in traffic to, to be a real difference maker inside. So, and, and Kate, to that point, the, the reason we have Braden Johnson as one of the ones on the outside is because that's what was happening in the spring. Right, right. I, I would prefer Johnson to be one of the rotation guys inside and move a Langston or a Bryson Green to that, that outside spot, like you that, just said, or a Rashad Owens. That could be that compared to those two guys, Braden Johnson's too good to just keep off the field. Right, 100%. So. No, I think I think that's it. Uh, and then, like you said, Jaden Nixon, I think I think – I think Dom and Jaden for the majority of the beginning of the season are going to be the bulk running backs. We may see some Ollie Gordon later, may see some DeAndre Jackson in some situations, but I think those guys are going to get a bulk of the workload and a few other guys mixed in. Gundy's mentioned running back by committee. I just don't know how many carries there are to go around when you're taking into account that they're probably going to have some designed runs, some zone read with Spencer Sanders. So I just don't know how many more carries they're going to be. Yeah, that that zone yeah, I think read they're going to throw it a lot. Yeah, that zone read combo though with Spencer and uh, Jaden Nixon it could be pretty deadly between yes. the, between the twenties, no doubt. Any way that Rangel takes the two QB spot, mm, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I, think, I love him. I just don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so yet. I mean, it's got to be Gundy. Every everything we've heard on Gunner Gundy is good. Everything comes back positive on him. So, yeah. Hundred percent. Well, I I will tell that, you this about Gunnar Gundy. I get Clint Shelf vibes, like from a kind of uh, in the shadows guy. He's the freaking head coach's son. I mean, he's going when he plays. He's going to be good. Like I I I feel very strongly about that. Yeah. No. I I like that comp. I'm fine with that comp. And Cade, that that segment. You I enjoyed that so much more. <laughs> you're welcome to everyone. It feels like normal. How about that? So it feels like normal podcast this week. And we'll do the defense next week and we'll continue to do it because uh, we'll probably change our mind a million times. When we get into fall camp, we will try to do one every, both or all three, four weeks or whatever. We'll do, we'll do a depth chart, our guests, every week leading up once fall camp starts. Yep. Even probably into the non-con because I think they'll still be trying to figure some things out since some of you know Central Michigan. I know they're not a terrible opponent. Arizona State not a terrible opponent. Arkansas Pine Bluff is not very good, yeah. but I think they'll still try to figure some things out. So we'll probably continue with the depth chart all the way up into Big Twelve play if we remember. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. We will do that, and it'll be a blast. Dustin, a couple of other things to get to as we kind of wrap up the football portion of the podcast. Talk about this a little bit, which we didn't in the in the conference realignment, but the Big 12 names a new commissioner in Brett Yormack, your mark, I'm sorry, who comes over not from the Big Ten, not from the Pac-12, but from Rock Nation, which if you're in the, if you know anything about Rock Nation, I mean, that's Jay-Z's label. That's Jay-Z's um, what would you call that? Talent agency. That's his label. Like, I think he's got, uh, I think Kevin Durant used to be with them. There's a lot of people that have been with Rock Nation over the past several years. So should be a name that bring, jumps out to you. 
I like it. You know, he's got the he's got the Rock Nation experience in media. He was with the Nets for a long time, worked his way up from the ticket office to ultimately becoming their CEO. I think it was for like 14 or 15 years. He worked in NASCAR with their sponsorship department. He's been kind of all over the place. He's got the sports background as well. We've seen some of the other conferences do something similar too. You know, uh, I think the Pac-12 hired someone recently coming from the media um, and the Big Ten hired, uh, what's his name? Kevin Kevin, Warren. Kevin Warren. And he was from the NFL. So there was some different, yeah, uh, the guy from Pac-12, he was with like MGM Sports or something like that. Well, that worked out really well for the (laughs) Pac-12. But we've seen teams kind of move in this different direction. But again, it's not, I guess it's not that different because he has a sports background. It's really just from the college aspect. So I think he'll bring a different mindset mindset into this, especially with all this movement going on. Hopefully he's able to kind of hit the ground running. I think he starts in August, but hopefully he gets started now. And I, I believe Bob Bowlesby is like staying on and kind of like a consulting role okay. to help him out, which I know people have their thoughts on Bowlesby, but it's always nice to have somebody kind of stick around and usher in the new guy. So yeah, for for sure. I, my confusion about rock nation is because it is a record label and an agency. So it's like a full stack thing that Jay-Z's got going on. So anyway, I wasn't wrong, but I wasn't all the way, I wasn't all the way correct. So do you like it? Do you I like don't, it or no? I don't no? love it. I, I think right now you're at a crossroads in college sports. I mean, it's not just football that we're talking about here. A first time, um commissioner of any type of you know sports league makes me nervous uh like i i guess i i could see it from a television point of view like he's got experience in media and that's that's got to be the play like that's got to be how you were able to justify it because if not i mean it would be inexcusable so it has to be that he's got some deep connections and may be able to pull some strings to keep the big 12 afloat because if not then they just went out and hired somebody kind of out of the blue that doesn't have any experience so it's it's interesting um and we'll see what happens but i don't love it on the surface but frankly i don't know who else you go get i don't know what that looks like yeah i like like i said i like it but it's not like i'm not in love with the with the hire um i'm glad they you know went ahead and announced it 100 with everything going on so but yeah i i think that's kind of really really all to say there not the big, Not the big super 10, exciting, but yeah, the big 12 probably heard about was what was going on with the big 10 was like, Oh God, we got to go. Like, <laughs> who's that guy? Who's the guy we were talking? We got to get him. That's probably what happened. <laughs> who's the guy. only guy we've who's talked the, to so far? Let's who, grab your, your Mc young, who <laughs> yeah, him call him. That's what I think happened. Uh, Dustin, a couple of other things. I mean, just really quickly before we get to recruiting another non-conference game with Murray state, we saw them a few years ago with the racers, uh, Oklahoma State hammered them last time they were in Stillwater. Um, they'll get $450,000 just for playing that game, uh, Murray State will. So um, any any lingering thoughts about that one? Uh, no. Glad we could help them out. <laughs> Glad we could give them a cool 450k. No. And um, no, I don't think the, I do. The non-con schedule. It does. I saw Marshall Scott from PFB point out that it could be a while before there's a Bedlam non-conference game because it looks like both schedules are pretty full. Yeah, great. After 2024, 2025. Cade, I don't care. Yeah, how about how about it may be a while, which means it will be never. 
I don't want to yeah. play. I don't want them. I don't ever want to play them again. I'm removing OU from my brain once they leave the Big yeah, 12. I'm deleting them from my contacts once they leave. Like it's it's that way. I'll keep my friends that went to school there, but I'll just like I do now completely tune them out when they're talking OU sports. It's like they're not going on your LinkedIn profile. You know what I mean? Yes. Like if they yeah. were your employer, like no, it's it's yeah. it's over. Sorry, babe. So, um, sorry, well, babe. <laughs> I don't want it. I don't need it. We don't need it. We're good. We're we're above it. Um, Dustin, a couple of quick things to get to. I mean, the the big news in the recruiting world, and if you listen to this podcast, you know this one hit me in in the heart. I know it probably did you as well, Dustin. But Billy Walton quickly. Uh, turning a 180 and decommitting from Oklahoma state headed to Texas after a, an official visit there that by all accounts <laughs> went really well. So, yeah. So Billy Walton is the South Oak emphasis cliff on accounts. If you know what I'm saying, <laughs> yeah. Billy Walton, he's the uh, South Oak cliff sock as, as they like to refer to it there. Edge rusher in the 2023 class, one of Oklahoma state's, Formerly 10 commits. Now they only have nine. But yeah, it was, it was tough because he goes on the official visit after he's committed to Oklahoma State. He unpins his Oklahoma State commitment video from his Twitter. He tweets a horns, a horns emoji, yeah. which he never liked to see. That's never good. <laughs> Decommits from Oklahoma State and then shortly after commits to Texas. It was tough. This was this made was a big blow to the recruiting rankings, the team recruiting rankings. We saw Oklahoma State in the 20s. I think they had dropped to like right at 30-ish, 29. And then Billy Walton decommits. And at the latest 247 rankings as of today, Oklahoma State is now 46. Now, did want to mention that that is because more teams have started adding more commits. The more commits, you know, like the, the rating will go up from that. But 46 is a pretty big drop from we saw them in kind of the mid-20s earlier this year. So that's tough. I think Billy Walton is one that I, I think of all the decommitments, and I didn't go back and look, but I didn't I don't remember one that stung quite like that because I think he's gonna be very good. I mean, I think he at Oklahoma State, I think he was gonna be like a Colin Oliver. Like I think he had all American potential. If Texas can get that out of him. I, I, I think that he's going to be one that we look back on and think, God, like if, if only. Yeah. I six, three, two twenty, just an absolute freak. If you watch freak, freak athlete and a highly rated three-star guy, you know, he was one of the more higher rated guys in Oklahoma state's 2023 class. So we got a question. I wanted to go ahead and hit it now from our guy, Ross lawyer at our lawyer underscore two twelve. Ross appreciate the questions as always. He says, with Billy Walton decommitting, who do you see filling the edge spot in this class? I can also see OSU waiting and utilizing the portal with this spot. So there's a couple of things they could do. Like Ross said, they could try to fill it in the 2023 class. They could go to the portal, or they could take this scholarship and move it somewhere else because, you know, they are pretty stacked at that edge, edge position. A lot of those guys, you know, Brock Martin will probably leave, but Colin Oliver still pretty young. Got Trace Ford, no, no idea what he'll do after how his season goes. You got guys like Tyron Irby, Nathan Latou. But you know, they do they do still need some young guys. So if they were to go to the high school ranks, Cade, 
There was a guy who they made the a top list for recently out of te- uh, Tyler, Texas, Chapel Hill, Kivion Huddleston. It's a high three-star guy. He had Arkansas, K-State, TCU, Texas Tech, Prairie View A&M, and UTSA. He's actually ranked higher than Billy Walton, so mm. that would be a big get. You got some other names, Trey Williams from uh, Dallas Parish Episcopal, Matthew Fobbs White from Monroe, Louisiana. You got Taj McCoy from Putnam City right here in Oklahoma City. And, Cade, you know what you've got? You've got Greg Richmond, who's <laughs> one of the right. best recruiters in the game right now. I, the fact that Billy Walton decommitted shocked me more because normally when Greg Richmond gets his guy, he gets his guy. Yeah. And we've seen all these recruits talk so highly about him. I'm not worried about them filling this spot. and I, But I think they will, to answer Ross's question, I think they go to one of these high school guys. Yeah, I love that. A great breakdown of who's out there. And I, I totally agree with you. It's less about like Greg Richmond being able to fill that slot and more about I think they had somebody who was going to fill that slot very well in Billy Walton. I think they did a really nice job identifying talent and getting it committed early. Um, and that's the double-edged sword in, in college football nowadays. I mean, even college basketball is starting to see some of this decommitting after a really early commitment. Um, that's why, that's why they don't, Gundy doesn't like players taking other visits. That's, it's 100%. why he's talked about that ad nauseum. It's why Miles Price, who's now a wide receiver at Texas Tech, got his offer pulled was because he was taking official visits. So it's like, it's not, there's a reason it exists. There's a reason that Gundy feels that way. And I think this is a prime example, but I don't think Richmond will have any problem filling that spot and love the breakdown you just gave there. Well, and we've seen Oklahoma State defensive back commit. Cam Franklin takes some officials. 100%. He's still committed to Oklahoma State, says he's still fully committed. But you know, I know Gundy doesn't like that. So hope, hopefully Cam stays because he's a really talented player. I know he said he just wanted to take more of his visits because he'd really only been on the Oklahoma State one. But we'll kind of see what happens there. I think he stays committed, but we'll see. I hope so, too. It's just a little weird that, like, you go on the full social media – uh, campaign and then no I'm good I'm gonna st- yeah. I'm gonna stick with my original commitment that doesn't normally go that way anyway Dustin uh, Zane Flores the other recruiting that we wanted to get to kind of the talk of the town at Elite, Elite 11 this week it sounds like good things happening up there yeah so Zane Flores Oklahoma State's three-star 2023 QB recruit uh, commit out of Gretna Nebraska so there's, you know, what is it 19, 19 or 20 at the Elite 11? I think it's 19. Yeah, I think that's the Elite right. 11 started three days ago, wrapped up today. He went into the week as a sleeper pick to make the final Elite 11 list from a lot of, a lot of sites, including 247. I posted the video on our Twitter about the 247 guys talking about him. They've had him ranked in the top 10 after the first two days. The final day was today. We'll see the official Elite 11 list come out. If he ranks in that final 11 list, that'll be how the highest any Oklahoma State quarterback has ranked that's been there. You know, we saw Garrett Rangel go last year and perform really well. It's been around since 1999. So to have that honor of highest ranked OSU QB since 1999, I, I, not all of them were invited. Yeah, but, but, but I mean. It's pretty amazing. Mason Rudolph was elite 11 too, wasn't he? I mean, there, there was some, I think so, but he'll have, if he finishes in the top 10, if, if I look this up correctly, he will be the highest ranked wow. finisher. And I he's, think he's got a shot. I know he finished. I think he was ninth in one of the last skill drills they did at the end of the day today. 
he had a cool interview. I was going to clip that uh, probably tomorrow and I'll post that on our Twitter. It's about a two minute long interview of him with uh, CBS guys that are there just talking about Oklahoma state, talking about how they fit his offensive style. But I think he's just looked really, really, really comfortable out there, which is why he's getting such high rankings. Not so much that he's got the strongest arm. He's the quickest, the most mobile, but He's just looked comfortable and fluid and smooth and everything he's done. I know our guy Adam Lunt put some videos up on Twitter of just kind of his maneuverability in the pocket and the way he's kind of able to create space and then make these pretty difficult throws. So in my breakdown of him, I watched about three games from high school. There was a lot of short to intermediate throws, but that wasn't his fault. That was how the offense was running. And I think going into next season, you'll see him do a little bit more down the field, some intermediate spots, some maybe more complex throws and reads. But Cade, do you think this bumps his recruiting rankings up? That was a question yeah. we got from our guy, uh, Leonard Laird Thompson at Garden Rake Lover. He said, is Zane Flores on the verge of blowing up nationally with him being an Elite 11 finalist this week? Yeah, I think he's going to be a four-star by the time uh, 24-7 releases their next round of rankings. I will also say, Dustin, your assessment was spot on. He is smooth, and he's got really nice footwork. He just does a lot well. And I don't know if there's another comp that I have where it's like, he doesn't have the biggest arm. He's not the fastest. But, I mean, his delivery is smooth and maybe as good as I've seen an Oklahoma state commitment coming out of high school. I mean, it's, it's better. Let's just put it this way. Spencer Sanders, love him to death. Zane Flores has a prettier release than Spencer Sanders like today. So, yeah, I I agree with you. And he, like I said, he just look, he's calm. He's calm in the interview, almost a little too calm at times. (laughs) Gundy is going to, Gundy is going to love him, but I think, I think, yeah, it's an excellent point there. Randall, uh, my buddy Randall, who asked the question earlier, he had another question related to Zane Flores. He said, with Zane Flores being at the Elite 11 and performing well, do you think this gives val- validity to Gundy's evaluation of recruits? So I think what Randall's trying to get out there is basically saying he took a shot on this guy who wasn't super highly recruited, but pretty highly recruited, kind of mid three-star guy. And now he's popping off at the Elite 11. We've seen, you know, Rangel was a four-star, but we saw him perform really well on the national stage at Elite 11. It's just my, Mike Gundy, Tim Rattay, they're doing a great job, I think, getting guys at the quarterback position. I know they've had Illingworth leave, so there's kind of a gap now, but you've got Rangel and then a Flores coming in, and I feel good about this quarterback position moving forward. Yeah, I do too. I think they're solid. I, I think between Rangel and Flores, as you said, and I just told you, Gunnar Gundy, I think is going to be pretty good. I think they're looking pretty good. Yeah, no, I agree. Dustin, before we move on, I do want to take a quick break and say a thank you to Feels Like 45 podcast sponsor, Price Buckley with Edward Jones. Price is a fourth-generation alumni from Oklahoma State University, and he loves working with fellow alumni. Price uses a personalized approach to build a custom investment strategy tailored to your unique goals and circumstances so that you can turn your ideal future into a reality. You can reach Price at 469-757-757. 0290 or on his website at edwardjones.com forward slash price hyphen Buckley spelled B-U-C-K-L-E-Y. Price, thank you for your support of the Feels Like 45 podcast. All right, Dustin, since we went off on conference realignment earlier, 
we got to make up here. I mean, we got basketball recruiting going on. I mean, it sounds like all the freshmen, all the newcomers actually also are now on campus. So uh, I, there was some chatter. Russell Harrison hadn't seen him around. Um, he's now on campus. And so everybody that's supposed to be there is there, which is fantastic news. Yeah. And Kate, great kind of summary there. We'll hit the, we'll hit football recruiting and everything a little bit harder next week. There wasn't a ton. There was some new offers out and a visit, but we'll hit that. We can hit that stuff next week and we'll hit any new offers there. So yeah, it's a little confused with the Russell Harrison stuff. You know, OSU's put out some OSU max videos with the basketball team. We didn't see him, but according to his Twitter and according from what we've heard, he is now in Stillwater as of like, I think, last week late last week so all good there everybody else is there like you said ready to kind of just kick things off and yeah i'm excited yeah for sure well i mean in in basketball recruiting has has taken an upswing here i mean oklahoma state's a landing in top players lists all over the country and i mean really the the number one that jumps out at me i mean is it's it's gotta be ugana on on yinso right i mean he's five star He's from, uh, I got to get it pulled up here, but he's from the NBA Africa program and is looking to make the move to the United States this year. And so I think is one that the fact that they're able to get him on campus early is a big deal. Oh, yeah. So so he's seven foot, 200 pound (laughs) center. Yeah, so I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to get his measurables and his offer sheet because he's going to be one that's I mean everybody's going to want him. Yeah, I believe I believe it's Georgetown, Georgia, Illinois, Kansas, Memphis, there you OU, go, Syracuse, Texas Tech. Those are kind of some of the big the big ones. There's more than that. I think he's got like 15 or 16 total. But yeah, the the fact that Boyne's able to get these guys into Stillwater for official visits is big time. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it shows a lot of uh, connections. I don't know how Boynton gets connected with these guys. If you look at his recruiting profile, he's from Putnam, Connecticut. So Putnam Science Academy, that's East Coast, baby. I think Boynton's starting to pull some of these strings. He's been connected to more East Coast guys this year than it felt like he's been in the past. Yeah, and from, from what I, the little I watched on him, he seems more of a defensive big man right now. But I, you can obviously, you know, work on his fundamentals on the offensive side. Little Musa Cisse vibes. Game. Yeah, that'll so do, I anything there. I do like that comp. I think I think he's very very Cisse esque. Uh, probably needs to weigh more than two hundred pounds, but <laughs> hey, that's fine. He's a he's probably one of the best shot blockers in the in high school right oh yeah in the in the country so uh it'll be it'll be fun to kind of see what happens there i think he's on campus now yeah yeah he is um which is great like it's awesome that you're getting these guys on on campus already and you've got these newcomers on campus who are probably pretty excited to be there probably some good energy around the program right now dustin another interesting uh recruit here Ashton Hardaway is someone that Oklahoma state just offered. And I want to know what you think about this because I know I'm, I'm a penny guy. I'm a penny guy and I'm a little penny guy. So thoughts on this. Well, I've always been a huge penny guy because growing up in Louisiana, we didn't have a team until literally right before I moved to Oklahoma when the Hornets came to new Orleans. So I just was a fan of whatever team Shaq played for with both my parents going to LSU. So 
I had a Shaq magic jersey and I think every color and a penny <laughs> one as well. I'm talking like five or six different magic jerseys. So I, I'm a big time penny guy. I think Ashton Hardaway is a really, really good player in the 2023 class. He's like a six, seven, 195 pound kind of do it all type guy. Yep. And I don't know if Oklahoma State realistically has a shot with with this talented wing that Ashton Hardaway He's is. He's from Duncanville, which is interesting. Yeah, that that is that is a little strange. I want to read up more more about him, just kind of his background and everything. But that was you know, Anthony Black was on that team, Ronald Holland, I believe, right at the, that Duncanville team. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so he's put he's played with some guys who Oklahoma State has been been linked to and some other top prospects. It's kind of interesting when you see a guy like this with, you know, pretty high, rec- high level recruit, highly rated guy on a team with a high school team with other guys of that caliber as well, because they're obviously, he's obviously not the number one option with guys like Colin and black on that team. So it will be interesting to kind of see how that progresses with him, but yeah, Boynton's hunt for that 2023 guy. So we've yeah. seen him throw out a bunch of offers, get some visits in what kind of, we, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. The last name Hardaway on an Oklahoma State jersey would be one that uh, I think I would have to own, right, Dustin? <laughs> I mean, I, that's pretty cool. Um, that would be sick. A couple of other noteworthy offers right now. Um, well, it's not even really offers. I mean, Isaiah Manning, Oklahoma State made his top list out of Mansfield, and he's a six-seven wing, it looks like. Um, loves designated as a power forward. Just think Keelan Boone is kind of the, the <laughs> position I'm thinking here. I mean, what is it with 6'7", 200 and Mike Boynton? And he's a Keon Williams teammate. Yes, well. he is. That's right. Nice call. Three-star three guy. His offer sheet isn't as high profile as some of the others. Uh, he's got some, some Ivy League schools on there, though, like yeah, Columbia, Harvard. He's got Kansas State on there, TCU, Xavier. This is a 2023 guy that I think Mike Boynton could get if he wanted. I'm not saying he's not a good player, number 181 in 247's top list, but this is a guy I think I think realistically they could land, and I don't know how many guys they're going to take in 2023, but I think it'd be a nice get. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I think Isaiah Manning looks like one of those fringe prospects that could blow up with a little bit of uh, development done. Um, love the Ivy league call out there. Another one that's interesting. And I kind of want to get your take on this because there's a pattern forming that I'm not sure I love Michael Nwoko out of Napa, California is a 6'10, 240 pound center that was just recently offered by Oklahoma state. And for those of you keeping score at home, that's two 2023 big men and Dustin, if you've been listening to this podcast, Brandon Garrison out of Dell City is a 2023 big man. I know he's listed as a power forward, but he's – I told you, he's 6'10", 240. I saw him. That's that's what I'm ballparking him as with my own eyes. What are your thoughts on that? Anything that raises any alarm bells for you this early? It's it's not great to see these other big men get offered because you, you'd love to be there when Garrison makes that, that final choice to commit to Oklahoma State – but I think it's smart, you know, hey, to offer to. these other guys. Uh, another guy with Harvard on his offer Yeah, all right. But Oklahoma State, Boston College, Creighton, Georgetown, Georgia Tech, NC State, Houston, Northwestern, Virginia Tech, Wake, uh, 
ranked 133 overall, 247. Canadian, uh, I was on Canada's under 18 team, put up 12.2 and 8.3 rebounds per game. I think in that FIBA U18 tournament, I think he was one of the top rebounders per game wise in the whole tournament. So it's pretty cool. Um, And I, I want to say that, so he started at Orangeville prep. I think Larry Blunt helped start that in Canada. Oh, Orangeville prep. Okay. I want to say I saw that maybe on two, four, seven or something like that. So pretty, uh, pretty interesting. So that, I think that's the connection there. Interesting. I did not know that, but that makes sense. Um, it's just a little concerning. I had thought, and I, I don't think this has much, um, I don't think this is an implication as much as it is a um, contingency plan in the event that Brandon Garrison does go to a Kansas or a Kentucky, which is recruitment's blowing up. I mean, it's blowing up like Cade Cunningham's did. He's not going to be the number one recruit in the country by any means, but he is going to be way up there and Oklahoma state's going to have to claw for that commitment. So we'll see what happens, but it looks like this is more of a contingency plan than anything right now. doesn't sound like Garrison's nearing a decision. So we'll see what happens here. Um, but it is, it is something to keep an eye on for sure. Dustin, anything I missed here in basketball recruiting uh, Jalen Lowe is actually going to be taking a visit a, another three-star guard, but it looks like is one that, has a decent offer sheet, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, the last time I looked, he also had an Ivy League offer, if I'm not mistaken. So Oklahoma <laughs> State's going out to the, the big brainiacs. brains here. Yeah, Princeton offer. Yep. He's he's interesting because, you know, he's not 6'7 or 6'10 like the other guys we've been talking about. He's a 6'2 point guard prospect who's put up multiple 40-plus point performances. Right. And – everything you read about him is high basketball IQ. So it yep. seems like a really solid player. Like you said, a three-star guy, but I think another guy that'd be a solid pickup. The, the only thing Cade that, that I had written down that we haven't talked about yet is Brandon Williams. We've talked oh, about him on right. this podcast before from middle, middle village, Christ, the King in New York, 2023 power forward, four-star guy, six, seven, 205 pounds. No, in the top 100 on two, four, seven, he put Oklahoma state in his top five. That's fantastic. He's got – it's Oklahoma State, Illinois, St. John's, UCLA, and UConn. I, I think I think Boynton can win that, especially with the New York connection. Too. And there's not a lot of um, regional connections to Brandon Williams there. Um, that's one to keep an eye on. I'm, I'll be curious to see how that happens. Um, you said – and I've got him pulled up now because I didn't realize that was the case. St. John's would be the regional connection there. I think Oklahoma State can beat out St. John's no problem. I think so too. And he's, he's fun, super explosive. He can grab the ball on the, on the defensive end, on defensive rebound, start the break attack and dunk it on the other end. He's very exciting. Yep. Yep. I, I am intrigued to see what happens because it doesn't look like Oklahoma state's going to fill out this, this recruiting class with a, an Anthony black or a, another five-star recruit. It looks like they're going more for the high four stars, four stars, and then three stars. It looks like some depth pieces um, in this class, which is going to be important as they turn over again next year, several players. So um, I like to see what Boynton's doing with that. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I, it's very, it's very exciting, but also, you know, a little nerve wracking that there's no 2023 commit after the Parker Fredrickson decommitment, yep. but I have faith in Boynton. Yeah, I do too. And that's a great point to make. I mean, we got so much time. Um, I, 
and the transfer portal is a thing. The transfer portal is the thing. Like if Oklahoma State is maybe angling themselves to go pluck some really high-profile talent out of the transfer portal instead, like that's just a whole other storyline that you have to keep an eye on as you're looking at these recruiting rankings. Like basketball is not the same as football. You can turn over an entire roster out of the transfer portal. So, yeah, and kid, before we before we move on to questions, I one one last note I did have not related to recruiting, the basketball tournament, TBT starts oh, soon, July back. July twenty second. The Stillwater Stars are back. They're going to be playing the first part of the tournament in Wichita. So if you want to check them out, they will be there. It's it's very similar to the roster from last year, I believe. Some notable names. You got Markel Brown, Brian Williams, LeBron Nash, Anthony Hickey, Jeffrey Carroll, Brandon Averett, Kendall Smith, and then uh, some other guys that aren't Oklahoma State from Michael Utah, Qualls, Cal Berkeley, Arkansas. So. Michael Qualls is a name that uh, people should recognize. I think was connected to Oklahoma state as a recruit for a while, if I'm not mistaken, and ended up at Arkansas, I'm going to look where he's from because I remember Coached by Doug Gottlieb to TBT. Ah, there you go. Well, Michael Qualls has been on the TBT team before. So a name that you're probably familiar with, but I look forward to this every year. It's, it's right in the middle of like, there's no college sports on. So it's a nice appetizer for what's coming. And all of those guys are super fun players. Markel Brown, LeBron Nash, Anthony Hickey, Jeffrey Carroll, Brandon Averett, all guys that can play above the rim, can shoot a little bit, are super athletic. Brian Williams, my guy too. We've talked about him on this podcast before. So it'll be, it'll be really fun to, to watch them as, as it always is. And for the people that want to bring Doug home, he's home for the TBT. <laughs> he's coaching again. He's home. That's plenty home. Um, has Kendall Smith played on TBT before? Because I think this is the first time I've seen him on this roster, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And it's honestly a little strange because is he not on the Warriors G League team? I thought he was. Yeah, he was. I could be Maybe mistaken, but I thought you could not be on a professional team maybe he's not maybe he's just on a straight up g league contract so it's okay yeah maybe so because you can't be you can't be in the nba but you right. can be playing like markel right. yeah, markel yeah. and carol play overseas so yeah that makes sense. I, I i think it's fine if he's just on a g league roster i believe now that yeah. i'm thinking about it, that so. would make sense well that'll be fun to watch and if they're opening up in wichita i'll be curious I've, i'm spending a lot of time in wichita this summer <laughs> so i'll be curious when that is uh but thanks for calling that out dustin yeah for sure and Kid, I don't think we had an audio, so I can take it. I can yeah, take that's it if awesome. you want to. Disappointing, that... by the way, but that's okay. <laughs> I know that we are skipping some softball news. There's some baseball transfer news and some some maybe insider info that Cade and I have. We are going to hit – I'm going to leave all these notes, and we will hit all of this stuff next week. There's two new softball transfers, actually. One just happened while we were on the podcast. So we will hit all that stuff next week. In detail, we'll have unless there's another conference realignment, <laughs> we should have way more time next week because recruiting football recruiting is in the dead period right now. So we will get to all that next week. Just wanted to kind of throw that in there. Thanks for that, Dustin. Appreciate that. Awesome. So first off, this isn't a question. Uh, our guy Royal John OSU at Wasted Optimism. It's a complaint, said, probably. <laughs> he said, "Pretty boring week so far. Maybe just don't do a podcast." and hope any sort of interesting news drops between now and next week. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You bet. Royal John. 
Tyler Jones. Tyler, I love that you ask questions at Dr. Tyler Jones. You always ask great ones. You know that I hate special teams, but he said, let's talk special teams. <laughs> who kicks field goals this year for us? Who are the return guys? Will we see two Presleys? Cade? Oh, oh, great question. Tanner Brown, right? Tanner Brown is back. Yeah, I saw Tom Hutton post a video the other day. I think it, maybe Oklahoma State posted, but Tom Hutton was holding for Tanner Brown dropping bombs from 60. Ooh, I like that. Okay, so Tanner Brown's going to be the kicker, I, I would think. Um, Alex Hale is still on the roster. I, I just, I don't know. You know, Alex Hale had the injury. Tanner Brown took over and kicked really well. He's the walk-on transfer from UNLV. Yeah, Hale, Alex Hale had the yips. I think it's going to be Brown just with how well he performed. I agree. I agree Except with you. Kate, we literally know, like, the the eighth string offensive linemen <laughs> where his mother's maiden name and I can't tell you who's gonna kick. Yeah, well, I would think it's Tanner Brown. Alex Hale had the yips last year, if you remember that. Was it last year or was he the year before coming off that injury? Um, he was really good before that injury and then came back and it just wasn't that wasn't the same. So um that's interesting. As it relates to uh return men. Tom Hutton will be punting. Yeah, Tom Hutton will be punting. No doubt about that. What is he, a redshirt freshman? Um, (laughs) I'm going to go with – 40 years old. Obviously, Brennan Presley. And you saw Dom Richardson back there a couple times as the, like, accompanying, uh, like, return man who's going to lead block. I could see that. I could also see, like, a – Jaden Nixon. Jaden Nixon. I was also going to say, like, a, a Braden Johnson depending on how they how durable they feel he is. Braden Johnson, I saw at the spring game when they were doing some return stuff, I believe C.J. Brown was back there as well. John Paul Richardson, nice. just purely based on his hands. I think he's more of a punt than a kick return. But mm. Well, that's interesting that you mentioned that punt return last year was, was stoner for quite some time, wasn't it? Not last year. That would be two years ago. Correct. Who, who, I can't believe I can't remember this. Brennan, Brennan was, Brennan, Brennan, Brennan was, was the primary punt returner. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. But I believe JP got back there a few times. Yeah. I think you're right. And I think I was thinking it was stoner just with my stu- the same number. stupid brain. Yeah. <laughs> and we already said we have small brains on this podcast. So you just saw it right there. No, I like, I like that call. I could see Brit. Braylon Presley's so electric. Maybe you see him back there. That'd be fun. On kick return as well. I, I don't know if Gundy Don't you do think they'll want to protect but... his red shirt? I, I think if if they can I think so. That would be too many games. You're right. I, I think I, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Nixon and Presley on I kick like return. That. And then Presley on punt return with John Paul Richardson kind of mixing in there as well. Nixon and Presley is electric. I like it a yeah. lot. But I would love two Presleys back there. That would be sick. But I think you're right about the red shirt. Also, just want to shout out, because we never talk special teams, long snapper, Matt Himbro, coming back for his COVID year. He's like the best long snapper in the country. Shout out to you for that, Dustin. Nobody gives the long snappers <laughs> enough credit. Uh, he wins nice like every award. <laughs> nice work, sir. Um, and it, was there another part of that question that we missed? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, we got who kicks field goals. Tom Hutton yeah, no, funny. Yeah, it. so I think, I think we're good there. Next, we have Glory Cowboy at GoRig Sanker. He says, what is the expected O-line lineup? It's still up in the air. Do you think we struggle because we don't have quality depth in the cornerback position? The O-line part we hit. 
Yep. Uh, I can go through it one more time just real quick. It's we have left tackle Caleb Etienne, left guard Jason Brooks, center Preston Wilson, right guard Hunter Woodard, right tackle Jake Springfield, maybe Casey Collier. Yep. So that's our that's our lineup there. I I think it is still up in the air to answer the second question. And cornerback depth, Kate, this is something you you were kind of on this before me with wanting to take a more experienced guy out of the transfer portal at corner, and they ended up not doing that. I think, I think in this question, Glory Cowboy, you say quality depth. I don't know if it's quality depth so much as lack of experience because I think the young guys at corner are really, really, really good. Yeah, I agree. And I, I don't think I'm concerned about it as much as I am just cautiously optimistic. So we'll see. Um, I am less concerned about it today than I was when we started talking about it. So uh, yeah. thank you for running through the online depth. I, I think I like the young talent. I think you swayed me. Yeah, they're just so good. I mean, we're talking about like Dylan McKinney, true freshman, looking awesome in yep. spring. Maybe Absolutely. getting some reps. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, so uh, next we have Hayden at Hayden M underscore OK State. He says, what would be the most impact? Or yeah, what, who would be the most impactful commit to lose to another school? Does it hurt more if it's a loss due to NIL deals, or is that just the way the landscape is now? I, if you're looking at the class, just pull them up. I, so I don't want to, I almost don't want to go with Zane Flores because he's the highest ranked guy and the quarterback, but I think he's it would be Zane Flores. He's right? abs- I was just waiting. I was just waiting it's, for you to come around. It's almost too, it's almost like too easy of an answer, but I think that's who it's going to be. And Kate, do you worry at all? Talk to our guy, Alex Fuller about this today, actually. Do you worry at all about this elite 11 exposure, him being a decommit prospect? I don't because we've seen Rangel. You talked about Mason Rudolph, Spencer Sanders, other four stars commit to Oklahoma state and stay committed. So I know I'm answering my own question, but I'm purposely not worried. Are you? No, I'm not. I Personally love when you answer your own question, Dustin. It's my favorite. I've done it like eight I, times I, today. I do it too. I, I will start talking and then answer. I do it too. Um, but I, I don't worry about it. I think this is just how it goes. I mean, uh, if you want to recruit with the big dogs and you want to go get the big dogs, this is just how it goes. I mean, could he decommit? Yeah. Is it to me because of Elite 11? Like today, I don't see it that way. Some other names to Jaden Foreman, defensive lineman out of Dell City is an absolute freak uh, in their summer camps. He's been playing like every position on the defense. He's an absolute monster. That would suck. Obviously Cam Franklin, one who we're not even hundred percent sure about. And I'm going to throw out another one, Jack and Dean, the offensive tackle mm. from Tucson. He's the second lowest rated recruit out of the nine, a commit out of the nine right now. I think he's a really, really good player. Six, five, like close to 300 pounds. I think he's a really, really talented offensive lineman. Yeah, I agree with you. My official answer is they would all suck. I I yeah. I don't like when all nine of these guys are good. Yeah, I think I think they've got everybody in this class has enough to where I'm like, yeah, I can get behind that. I can see why they went after this guy. Hundred percent. All right. Uh, so we've got Brian Metcalf. This was his second question. <laughs> he says, "Hey kids." Did, did a quick deep dive into Gundy's offensive line coaches and charted some stats. 
Last year's offensive line gave up the least amount of sacks per game, 1.2, since the Wick line line of 2013, which was 1.1. Do you think the line could repeat this or even improve upon this? Kate, I did before we before we break that question down, I did just want to call something out. And I, I know I pointed this out to you as well offline. The offensive line, I know people at times thought it wasn't very good. There was the injuries. Overall, I thought pass protection was probably mediocre last year. Gundy thought it was worse. Obviously, he cites it a lot this offseason. But the one of the big reasons, I'm not going to say main reasons, because I think the offensive line did do well at times. But one of the big reasons for that 1.2, listen to some of these stats from PFF on Spencer Sanders. Fifth in percentage of pressures turned into sacks. So that means he was pressured and it did not turn into a sack because he either threw the ball away through the pass or got away from the pressure with his legs. Sheesh. Because OSU actually, the offensive line was 19th in defensive generated pressures, which is like the complete opposite of that 1.2. That's a phenomenal call. Spencer Sanders, 15th. This is out of 160. I removed anyone who had less than 100 attempts. 15th in hit as he threw, which is a lot. <laughs> He's 26th in scrambles. And then 18th in total pressures of the passer of any kind. So I know that one point Still running for his life. Yeah, that 1.2 is a great number. But I just gave you a bunch of stats that show he was pressured a lot. And he was fifth. So think about it like this uh, someone who's really good about that in the nfl who's always first in this stat on pff is josh allen josh allen and patrick mahomes they're always up there i'm not saying the chiefs and the bills don't have good offensive lines but they're very good at turning pressures into non-sacks so not getting sacked when they're pressured spencer sanders fifth in the entire country last year in that that's a fantastic call out dustin because it proves part of Spencer's worth and it it proves his worth in that regard alone that he's covering up an offensive line that if you've got another guy back there like throw a Brandon Whedon back there throw a statue back there and see what happens like that's that's really tough so it it even makes some of the other mistakes a little more easy to handle when you realize that like that's a significant stat I think if you have Shane Illingworth back there and I think Shane is a really, really good quarterback. I think that number gets up to 2.3, 2.4, which yeah. we've seen from some of the Oklahoma State offensive lines of the Rudolph years. And I, yeah, I think that's when it was up around that, up around that. So very interesting. I love the call out, Brian. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, you and I are positive on the offensive line pretty much always because we love offensive linemen. But I did want to call out Spencer Sanders there because. We're also very pro Spencer Sanders on this podcast. Yeah. To a fault, I believe. But. We're also pro data. We do data yeah. for a living, both of us. And what like, we watched. Yeah. Like that, that speaks volumes. Yeah, I completely agree. I love the question though, because it made me go look up the stats. Brian, I spent so much time looking up stats for your questions. You're going to have to like send me something. <laughs> yeah. Like, like 10 bucks a month for our Patreon. So just kidding, Brian, we appreciate the question. So one more football question, and then we've got a golf question we'll finish up with. Uh, this is from Weston at CW Mason 92. Weston, thanks for the question. You've been sending some great ones. 
He says, who is one player? I already know one of your answers on this. He says, who is one <laughs> player on defense and one player on offense that wasn't highly recruited that you want to become an impact player? So just Ooh. go ahead and say your defensive answer. You, and you, you know my answer here? Gabe Brown, Gabe Brown. Is, that, is that what you think? I'm, yeah, I love that. Um, can it be anybody on the defense currently? Or are we talking only like incoming freshmen? He said highly recruited. I guess you can go with anybody. I was thinking when I read that incoming freshman, but you're right. He probably meant anybody. Yeah. Well, no, I, Gabe Brown would be my answer. As And we know each other really well. It's very flattering that you know that off the top of your head about me. Um, if I had to pick another person, like, I don't, I guess I, I guess I'm answering my question about the question. Like he's asking about freshmen. So I'll go with Gabe Brown on the defense. And then on offense, with it's gotta be Ollie Gordon. It's Ollie Gordon, right? Well, he was, but he was highly recruited. Oh, so not highly. I'm sorry, not yeah, highly. Sorry, recruited. Not highly recruited. I, I twisted I myself up. I twisted myself up answering my own question. Um, <laughs> not highly recruited. Oh boy. Um, I need to. Do you have an answer? Let me go back through this uh, through the list here. Well, I'll give, I'll give you an answer for your version of the question, which I think is probably the real version of the question <laughs> on defense, Nathan Latou. Yeah. I mean, that's Coming a out great Juco was not very highly recruited. An, another one who's already kind of broken out uh, Thomas Harper. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And if, and so I love where you're going with this. Like you could even go down to a Lamont Bishop. Like we talked about yeah. earlier on the podcast, another guy out of Juco who was not super highly. Yeah, so that's why I was clarifying. So if we're going to stay, if we're going to stay in this class, I'll give you, I'm going to go ahead and give you my offenses. Davis Dotson straight, strictly off the Robert Allen article. Straight up. I like it. And then on actually, you know what? Tabor Shetron. I think he's going to play at Cowboy back, not this season, but I think he's going to be a guy there. And I think he's part of their new Cowboy back kind of movement to that more jumbo receiver. I really like that. And I, a guy that Adam, I know Adam Lunt really likes him. I wouldn't say he wasn't like super highly recruited, but he's kind of middle of the pack, three-star guy, Dylan McKinney on defense, I, cornerback. I think this is a guy you may see on the field next year. I thought that that injuries. was, I thought that that was going to be the first name out of your mouth, to be honest with you. So if I'm answering the question on offense about players that are already there, Jaden Nixon's got to be on that list, right? Like, I mean, his offer sheet is not significant. I mean, it was yeah, Oklahoma State, Sam Houston, UTSA, Fordham, North Texas, Lehigh, Navy. I mean, he would be maybe the one to me on offense. That's a great call. Kate. I'm changing the question a little bit, but a guy who doesn't get <laughs> talked about at all on this podcast by you or I, who I think is a really good player, Stefan Johnson, wide receiver, oh. the Oregon decommit. I feel like we've said his name one time since that well, podcast. And, and I needed you to remind me of his first name because I was like, <laughs> it's the guy that was taught. It was the Twitter thing. You remember, like, that's how we identified who he is. I agree with you completely. I think he's like very, if he can, like his highlight tape, we saw this. We talked about it when he committed. It's mostly bubble screens that he scores touchdowns on. So if we can see a little more than that, I totally agree with you. Very, very athletic. Yeah, no, I th that was an awesome question, Wes, and I appreciate that. Cade and I could really probably was go for like 30 more minutes on that. But... And we're going to right after this. <laughs>
So our last question, and if I missed anybody's question, I am very sorry. There was a lot of, and I love it, but there was a lot of interaction on some of the questions that we got, uh, multiple replies. I tried to grab them all. I may have missed. If I missed, I will go back and make sure we hit it on the next one. Love everybody's questions. I know Kate and I, you know, kind of downplayed the conference realignment stuff at the beginning. We still really appreciate the questions, and that's why we went to them. Because if you guys didn't ask the questions, we were going to talk about that for maybe two minutes. Amen. So brother. we love the questions. We love that you guys asked them. We really appreciate it. So I did not want. I didn't want it to feel like a shot to anybody uh, at the beginning there. But that's why we hit it first because we y'all asked the questions. Boom! Nailed it. Last one here. We got Matt Claxton at Road Crew One. Thanks, Matt. Always asking good questions. He says so with Chikara and Wolf headed to live, more or less likely to watch this weekend. And Cade, before before you answer that question, <laughs> we've already have one round in the books of this yeah. weekend. Matthew Wolf T nine at minus one. Uh, Peter Uline's team is actually in first. He's not doing that great, but his team. Oh, I guess he's doing a. Oh no no that's sorry sorry that is not his team. His team is a little bit farther down. He's not Team Torque anymore, is he? Is he well, <laughs> these stupid yeah. teams. I don't even know what either we're way, about. Uh, t- team HY High Flyers is who Wolf is on their T3 with the Aces, who Taylor Gooch is on. So there's there's a lot, a lot of guys out there. Um, Taylor Gooch is T17 right now. Uline is also T9. Eugenio is T33 at plus two. So the Oklahoma State guys, they're playing. The leaderboard is so funny with because the players have their team next to them and it's a color and they're all kind of strange colors. So it's very funny. I did watch a little bit on YouTube today. It's, I don't hate watching it. I mean, I'm going to watch it now that these guys are in it. I, you know, I'd prefer the PGA, but when you've got Wolf, I love you, when you've got Wolf, you in there, Peter, Uline, Taylor Gooch. I, I mean, Kate, I'm going to watch it. Yeah, I mean, the, the leaderboard is pretty impressive. I will say, did you see some of the crowd shots today? It was yes. <laughs> it was like you, me, and Fuller went out there and like a couple other people. It was crazy. Now, the one thing about all of this that I, I haven't really, you and I haven't really talked about is Eugenio's not going to be playing for Oklahoma State next year, and he did say he was going to. I'm glad you brought that up because I was getting distracted on the live thing. Um, he did say he was going to. I mean, that that does it. I mean, that that takes out Oklahoma State's, you know, number one. Um, and Gupta's gone, who was, you know, ha- had some inconsistency issues, but was a top player as well. So that basically means that they're, I mean, Bo Jin still coming back, but Rasmus, things get back. a little dicey about after that, right? Yeah, they're going to have to reload quick. This was a team we, we answer every question about next championship saying men's golf. I, I think this changes my answer. Now I'd like to walk the second ranked amateur player in the world. Yeah, I'll walk that one back um, and I'll, I'll retally my answer to uh, Oklahoma State. So football. And I'm not mad at Eugenio. Three-year deal, ton of money. Yeah, I That's mean, fine. this whole thing is is frustrating from a PGA fans perspective but true can you really blame them like they're throwing crazy money out there yeah and anyway i think he's the first guy to go straight from amateur to live i i believe that's right that sounds right i can't think of another one active college player 
to forego his amateur status and join live. That's what it was. Wow. I mean, again, can't blame them. They're, they're waving a, it's like they're showing them Scrooge McDuck gifts or something like this could be, this could be you and Photoshopping Eugenio's face on Scrooge McDuck or something. Yeah. And I, uh, it, it is cool, you know, to watch him now, like, you know, there's not a ton of college golf coverage. So it's cool to get to watch him in these tournaments. Now, like I said, I'm, I prefer the PGA, but I'm still going to watch it. So (laughs) yeah, you watch it on Facebook live or whatever the hell it is. (laughs) Dustin, I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's all. And, you know, Kate and I definitely feel bad about skipping some of the baseball softball stuff, but this is what's going to happen because it's foot. It's, it's season three. It's football season. Now we still love baseball and softball. We're still a softball podcast at heart, Yeah, but it's football time, baby. Yeah, every every uh, season, our our like whole podcast changes. We're a football podcast at heart from like August to January, and then we're a basketball podcast. And then so you just got to ride the roller coaster with us uh, and welcome until we start our own professional softball league. And then we'll be leaving the <laughs> yeah. podcast to do that. Wow, that would be fantastic. Um, I don't know if we have live money to throw around, but I'm in. <laughs> well, Dustin, this was fun. I missed you last week. I'm glad to be back. Thank you again, Marshall, for coming on. Dustin, if you don't have any final thoughts, I'll sign us off. A great show this week. Again, thanks for sticking with us. Um, it was a fun one. I'm looking forward to the offseason with you, Dustin, but we're, we're, we're close. I feel like after the July 4th week, we're going on the upswing to college football. Uh, you got any fun, anything fun playing for the 4th of July, going to the lake? We actually normally are out of town. But, uh, you know, we have the we have the new daughter. This will be her first Fourth of July. So we're going to hang out nice. around Oklahoma City, uh, going to go to a friend's pool, play some golf and just kind of hang out. What about you? That's awesome. Well, that'll be fun. I'm actually I'm headed to Santa Barbara in the morning. So uh, I'll spend the Fourth of July out there with some family getting to meet my niece for the first time. So super excited about oh, that. Awesome. And uh, it'll be cool. Uh, there are worse places to be in, in July than Santa Barbara, California. So I'm not <laughs> yeah, mad at that. Be fun. Yeah. Have so trip. anyway, appreciate you, man. Thanks a lot. And if you're not already, follow us on Twitter at feels like 45 pod. Follow Dustin at Dust Ragu. And you can follow me at Cade Webb. Keep it locked with us all offseason. We'll keep you updated and appreciate you sticking, uh, sticking with us uh, all through the offseason. We'll talk to you next week. Go Pokes.